Welcome everybody to Too Legit to Crit, a tabletop role-playing podcast hosted by two intrepid adventurers who did indeed meet in a tavern. It's true, we did actually. That's a valid point. No, no, we did. We did. Was, we, we, I mean, the loosest definition of tavern uh, was more... It was, night, it was a nightclub. <laughs> was it the night? I thought I met you in, no, in met the pub. Chameleon. No, it was in the nightclub. Was it Chameleon? Yeah. Okay, so that's a tavern and a half then, isn't it? I, I mean, mean it, yeah, it, it's, a ta- it's a late night tavern. It is a, it is a late night tavern. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Oh. But yeah, oh. we did. We did actually meet. You know. Yeah, that's true. Story. In fact, our entire our entire adventuring group uh, met in a tavern because we used to, we started out playing our games upstairs in a pub. We did. That's um, where that's where we started. True. True facts, everybody. Our first characters were built in a tavern, which was kind of ironic. We managed to commandeer the entire floor of a pub. We did. We did. We commandeered the entire floor of a pub. We used to get mountains of chicken wings. We also um, used to be- rearrange the furniture because that's when they had did. like the, yeah they had all the sofas and stuff like upstairs. sofas and shit. Yeah. We used to rearrange the shit. We arran- rearranged everything upstairs. It was great. It was um, good. It was it was good. Um, yeah. And then they had to go and modernize. Yeah, bastards. And cater to you know the like normal people. people. Yeah, normal people. Ugh. Anyway, Weirdos. my name is John Santana. I am still Justin. Has not changed. I'm glad. I'm glad. I appreciate mm-hmm. the consistency, Justin. Yeah, I do try. I do try. It is. It just gives me a safe haven. I mean, it, it, it's 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 the name I've had for 36 years. I think it's only fair that I keep it. Yeah, I like the sense of normality mm. when mm-hmm. I come here and yeah. record with you. Yeah. Like, okay, it feels like home, Justin. It, it does. It does. I mean, I, I, we're saying just before we, you know, before we hit the the big red button to to start this. Um, you know, the, the main reason I come back every week is for your intros. I just want to hear what you say. It's the only reason I'm here every week. <laughs> well, I'm going to try keep them up and Yay. not disappoint. You better not. I mean, some of the ones I came up with were a bit dark for this week, but... Um, <laughs> dark <don't>... is good. <laughs> yeah, dark this, gets... This, this week is going to be a dark place because I've got a lot to say. <laughs> but the problem is dark gets us cancelled. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's true. No, no, yeah, so true. I do have to kind of rein in my sense this, of humor. Yeah, this is it. very true. <laughs> I'm well behaved on this. You, you really are. <laughs> See, I think I've always had that good balance of knowing where the line is and dancing on it perfectly. I not, know not where dancing the- very well. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know where the line is, and you wave at it from a distance. Yeah, I just I just ignore it. Yeah. You know full well where the line is. It's over there. However, for the sake of decency, we have to keep kind of yeah. keep this. I have to come back to it. Podcast somewhat vanilla. I mean, yeah. Well, speaking of things that are somewhat vanilla that shouldn't be, I'm intrigued. So, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about uh, level up the advanced five e thing right oh, this, this should be good well they they put out a blog well a blog post was put out about um that they've uploaded uh the full core rules to their srd document and then linked the document so i was like cool i'm gonna have a read and see how much they've changed it 
Okay. So far, so far, what I found is um, the entire character creation is just 5e character creation. They've not changed a fucking thing, word for word. I literally pulled up the 5e SRD and compared it. It's word for word the fucking same. Um, so yeah, I'm not, not impressed. Uh, then going through, they've, oh, I t- they have changed one thing. Um, it's not races in advanced uh, 5e, it's origins. Big change. Um, but I mean, to be fair, haven't they kind of updated that term in new D&D? Yes, they have. They have, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so again, not really changed anything. What they have done is essentially take a bunch of homebrew class changes um, and apply them to the classes. That's it. Right. And the changes aren't that great. So one of them uh, was to their version of the monk, which they've changed the name of to adept for some reason, all the same features as a monk down to literally they are martial artists and everything. Same hit die, same everything. Um, Same proficiencies because, you know, they've got the same skills. They they literally haven't changed a fucking thing. They've just added in homebrew features. Um, And one of them is the ability to deflect spells. Okay. So you have to have the deflect missiles uh, feature, which you get like really early on. Um, And then you have to be ninth level. And basically you can use two exertion, which is what they're calling key points because you know, you're not a monk anymore. So you use exertion, not key points. Um, So they've basically added letters uh, (laughs) to, to it. Um, and basically, yeah, you can reduce the damage by 2d10 plus your dex plus your adept level. Um, and if you re- reduce the damage to zero, you can spend an extra exertion to redirect the spell to another target. Okay. So essentially, it's deflect missiles, but for spells. Now, my issue with that, right, is spells in general are magical in nature, which means you have to be a conduit of magic to use them. That's the whole point of why only spellcasters can cast spells, etc., etc., right? Otherwise, what's to stop a barbarian just learning how to cast fireball? Right. That's the whole point. Not everybody can do magic. But they're saying, oh yeah, if you if you roll well enough, you can just grab a spell and throw it somewhere else. Like, fuck off. No. <laughs> just no. I am thoroughly enjoying this. And then, yeah, like I went through the, the origins, um, and it's basically all of the standard ones with no, no major changes. Um, and then a couple of like homebrew ones that I've seen like on forum posts and stuff. So it's not even like they're all, it's all their own stuff. Like they've taken concepts from like forum posts and things like that and essentially just published them. Um, so essentially the advanced 5e SRD is 5e with the Unearthed Arcana stuff included, which is the unofficial 5e books, is Unearthed Arcana, right? It's their playtest stuff. Right. That's essentially what this is. So, so just so I, as well as the listeners, are clear, mm-hmm. uh, can we safely assume that you are not a fan? I like what they've tried to do. My issue is I don't think they've done enough to call it a, a, a separate product, if you know what I mean. It's, it would be essentially like if I went and bought um, like a car, right, and I changed the badge and said, oh, it's a new car. It's not. It's the same fucking car. I've just changed the badge. 
I've not done enough to make it a different car. Whereas if you look at something like um, the Abarth cars, right, for people that are into cars, what they'll do is they'll take a a production car like a Fiat 500 or a Mazda MX-5 and they modify it to a point where the only thing that is the same is the shell. They've changed all of the inner workings of it. And then it's an Abarth 500 or the, the Abarth version of the MX-5. I can't remember what they call it. But it's a different car. Like if you were to put the two next to each other and drive them, they wouldn't be the same apart from the way they look. They haven't done that. They've but, just changed the badges and said it's a different car. But sticking to your car analogy, don't Volkswagen kind of do that with Seat and Skoda? Yes. So essentially they, they produce the same car with the a same, different yep. chassis. Yes. And go, oh, this is a different car entirely. Yes, and I don't like that either. Because it's not. It's And it's not just like VW. It's, it's basically every car company does it. The Fiat 500 and the Ford KA are the same same car. They roll out the same factory. Um, the only difference is the body shell and the badge. Um, and I hate it. I, I hate when people do that because it's, it's so disingenuous. And like what they've done here is they've essentially just included a couple of homebrew options um said, so yeah, it's a whole new, it's a whole new thing. But have they though? Because last time you were ranting about this, you were saying that you needed the five E rules in order to use it. Uh, so yeah, well, essentially, what they've done is they've included all of the five E rules in their book and said, yeah, this is our rules. It's not. It's five E rules. It's literally word for word. They've just copied and pasted five E rules. So I don't know if you. Uh, and also, I mean, it's only the basic stuff. So it's like introduction, character creation, um, and equipment tables. And that's about it, really. Even like down to the ability scores, they've copied the basic point, like ability point arrays. Um, the point buy system is exactly the same. And the rolling system they recommend using is exactly the same, which isn't even the rolling system that is standard at like most tables. Because most tables, you roll four and drop the lowest. They're not even recommending that in their. Things. So they haven't even taken like the most common homebrew ability change to put in their book. They've literally just copied and pasted it word for word. I'm sorry. I'm just really enjoying this. I, just, I, don't, I don't get how, how they can even remotely try and say that this is a new product. But the question is, is it better than 5e? No, because it's the same. <laughs> it's 5e with a different badge. <laughs> I think that automatically makes it better than 5e. <laughs> <laughs> No, because they're still using the OGL, so it's still 5e. It's literally still 5e. They're not even using a different license. Oh, this is so funny. <laughs> like, I just, I, it's just, it's so, so, so disingenuous. <laughs> that you can even, from their website, you can download the 5e SRD alongside it. <laughs> but it but, come on, it, it must be better than 5e. It's not. And it's yeah. not even me being biased because this is literally just 5e with some homebrew. Well, yeah, homebrew that makes it better. No, it doesn't. <laughs> let me read you some of the homebrew. Um, let me let me find some first. There's 118 pages is what they've said, but like only like eight pages is new content. Um, let's see. So, uh. Ah, here we go. They've they've added a thing to elves, which is uh, elf sight, uh, which you get at tenth level. Nature cannot block the legendary accuracy of your people. Your attack rolls ignore half cover, 
and you do not suffer disadvantage on wisdom perception checks in lightly obscured areas. You do not have disadvantage from making ranged attacks at long range. So, but bear in mind, right, you get that at 10th level. If you were building an archery-based character, you would have taken a feat to deal with that by this point, making that a pointless fucking thing. Sounds better to me, though. No, because you can still take the feat that that replaces earlier than that. Yeah, but that just sounds better. And, and I mean, this is just dumb. There is no range limit for your dark vision. So in the dark, you can just see forever. I mean, to be fair, uh, Pathfinder kind of did that in second edition. It was like, yeah, we're just not going to put fucking ranges on it anymore. Because the amount of times you're in a place where you would need more than 60 no, feet. I get that. But then you need to make that across the board. But the gnome, the very, very next paragraph on this page, uh, only have dark vision to 60 feet. So it's clearly not something they've tried to remove just to make it easier for everyone. It's just elves can see forever in the dark. Everyone else still 60 feet. I, I, might, I might look into investing in this, to be honest. And I would argue that elves would not be the ones that have infinite vision in the, in the dark. It would be dwarves because, you know, they mostly live underground, law-wise. Elves tend to live out in like forests and stuff where, you know, they don't need to see forever in the dark. <laughs> it's, it's just it, it makes no sense dude so, so give us another rule change give us another uh, I'm, I'm trying no, let me try and find one hang on alright yeah <laughs> give me a minute this might take a while no it's, uh, I mean so far it's sounding great to me <laughs> um, oh, oh hang on I know I know I'll go to Bard because they, they they added a feature to Bard and I, that's in air quotes the added kinda, okay uh, let me just scroll down and find it again uh, so at first level, you get Battle Him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so your Battle Him is you can either do Harmony of Pain, so the target gains a number of temporary hit points equal to your Bardic Inspiration die. Uh, overbearing Rhythm, attacks against the target have disadvantage. Or Song of Clarity, at the start of the target's turn, if it is not at zero hit points and expend one of its hit dice to regain hit points. <laughs> So what issues do you have with that? Well, if you're doing that, there are 50 other things that you could be doing with your action, because that's an action to use, right? That give you way more advantages. So why would you ever use it? I don't know. I don't play that shitty system, so... <laughs> I'm, just like, tell- I'm just telling you I like it because, it's wa- because I'm trying to wind you up. I know you are. But, but like, I think it's great. <laughs> but that's all you get. Uh, for the first four levels is those, right? So attacks against the target have disadvantage. So you can make one of your party members harder to hit. Cool. So every monster would just not hit that one. No, I don't know. I suppose it adds flavor, I'm guessing. Because I, I, I genuinely don't know what bards in 5e are like anyway. And bef- I don't want you to explain that to me. I've never I, was, I, was, I wasn't going to. Good, um, just in case. Um, <laughs> not fucking I mean, interested. Basically, they already have a lot of very, very good utility for controlling and helping in the battlefield, and this hasn't added anything to it. It, it It's just like extra text for the sake of extra text, it feels like, because there is not a single thing all the way up to 20th level on this battle hymn chart that I would say at that level is worth doing. 
I mean, I can't really comment, to be honest. Like I say, I mean, I, I was telling you I loved it because, you know. I know. Just to annoy <laughs> you. But, well aware. <laughs> I, that joke's kind of run dry now, so. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to be, carry on being quite indifferent. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just, I just, I think, I like what they tried to do, like trying to give a, a variation to 5e that that gives you a different way in. I just don't think they've changed enough to call it advanced 5e, because it's just 5e with some homebrew tacked on. They've not, they've not advanced on any of the actual core mechanics. All the core mechanics are exactly the same. They've just added homebrew flavor to the, the core book. That's all they've done. There is no rule changes that I could see. There is no mechanics changes that I could see. They've just basically slapped some homebrew on top of the core game and said, hey, it's a new game. Well, um, so you're not going to be buying it. Is that what God, we're- no. <laughs> not by any stretch of the ima- imagination. Everything that's in that book, you can find on the forums for free. So while we're talking about purchasing and, uh, yep. and all that, I'm, I do have to... Uh, I have to uh, kind of show a bit of humility. Mm-hmm. Because we did have an arrangement. We did. And said arrangement was I wasn't going to invest in new systems. Yes. Until we started thinning out the list. Yes. Right? Which was going fine. We, we made a start on the list. We made a start on the list. I played Blades in the Dark. So I got, and Fabula. We played Fabula. And Fabulous. I was able to buy mm-hmm. the One Ring, and I was able yep. to buy something else, something or other. That's Can't correct. I remember what it was. So, all going good. All going really well. But then, I may have, you know, completely accidentally... <laughs> Through no fault of my own. You, you dropped your mouse and clicked add to cart, purchase, logged in with PayPal. <laughs> On both humble bundles that were going last week. Oh, that's hilarious. I mean, so, to be fair though, I think, I think that's, that's, that's allowable, right? Cause like humble bundles and stuff like that, they've got a time frame on them. So it's not like you could wait until exactly. we thinned out the list. So, exactly. you know, I'll, I'll give you a pass on that. I'll give you a pass on that. So yeah, I bought, Vampire the Masquerade, Hunter the Reckoning, um, Wrath and Glory, WFRP, and uh, what's the other one called? Age of Sigmar, Soulbound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I wasn't going to get that because I am not massively into Warhammer. Yeah. You know, I, I know about it. I used to play it, but mm-hmm. that's kind of where it ends for me. Yeah. So, Mr. Constant Cornell <laughs> on Threads. <laughs> he's the one who just basically went ah go on you know you want to and I went you know what fuck it I do and I ended up <laughs> <buying it. laughs> it's almost like you spending a bunch of money trying to prove a point to me yes that as well <laughs> that was another one. Oh, that was so funny so just in midweek at some point sent me a message mm-hmm. via via the gram I did. To I basically didn't say that he'd seen in a shop somewhere a D&D magazine. I did. It was really cool to see. And I'm honestly gutted that I didn't get paid till today and I haven't had a chance to go back to the shop yet. Because um, if it's still there, I want to buy it to take a look through it and then maybe talk about it, um, you know, in, in a, another show. But it was essentially, like, do, you, do you know those magazines when you were a kid, right? And you, you would like, there was a new one every month or every week or whatever it was. 
um, and you would like build a ship or an, or something like that with it, yeah. and like you get a, a few of the parts every week or whatever. Um, it was like one of those, but for D anD D. And the, this this particular one came with a set of dice, and they were quite funky looking dice, right? And I was like eight ninety nine for a book of like you know they had some stuff. This one was like an introduction to orcs, so it had like a whole bunch of orc lore and stuff in the magazine. Um, I didn't have a chance to flick through it because obviously it was in a sealed bag, but this is just what was said on the cover of it. Um, so, and then, so I mentioned it to you saying, you know, I might, might pick it up and worst case scenario, it's a cheap set of dice. So my response was, <laughs> that's not cheap. That's not cheap. You can, <laughs> you can buy seven sets for that fucking price. So then it became a, where the fuck are you buying your dice? Sort of thing. Yeah, Cause I pay like 15 quid for a set. So I was, so I started scouring Amazon and I found a couple of great deals. And I went, look, five minutes searching, and here's a set for nine ninety nine. But give me twenty minutes, I'll find you that. So I didn't I, I quite find that because my my quest came to an abrupt end. But <laughs> proportionately speaking, it's a fantastic right. deal. I yeah, was it, right. It so is a fantastic deal. Twenty five sets of dice for yep. about twenty three quid. Uh, oh, you're gonna be very upset because I just loaded up the thing to buy it because I got paid today. Um, <laughs> is it 21 now? It might have been 21. It's, it's, it's 21. Yeah, yeah, that's what I paid. Oh, okay. So it's got, I was going to say, it's, it's, got, it's been reduced. Yeah, yeah, that's what I paid. So 25 <laughs> sets of dice for 21 quid. And I, and, yeah, I fucking had to. Yeah, I mean, no that way. price, you can't not, really. That's less than a pound a set. So on top of that, and this is one you don't know about. Oh, God. Um, one of my contacts on threads... Um, basically he just appeared on my timeline. It came up as a, as a new follow and I just checked out his bio and it's like, Oh, I am the creator of this system called journey. It is a solo world building RPG. Ooh. And I went, you know what? You know what? Ooh. I don't have in my life. <laughs> I don't have a solo world building RPG. <laughs> and yeah, I bought me it. Fair enough. As, Can't argue with that. As well as some um, <laughs> NPC additions for Foundry, but that's that's beside <laughs> the point. Oh well, I mean, yeah, can't, I can't fault that. Uh, I mean, part of that was my fault. Um, <laughs> but speaking you, of things you, that I wanted to buy that I haven't, and I'm kind of glad I haven't, is uh, the new Five E Source book that we spoke about uh, the other week. Is that the, the, uh, deck, the of deck of many things? things yes. So the physical release has been delayed. Oh, okay. Um, and it was because of some manufacturing issues. Now, I'm not 100% sure um, on the reason, but it might have something to do with something that there was a, a guy that got like a, an early press release version, you know, for like reviews and stuff like that, that people get. Um, and in his version, some of the cards came in, like arrived warped in the, like in the deck, like the deck itself was really good. Like the, the gold leaf edge held up really nicely and all that sort of thing. And he had a lot of good to say about it, but there was some issues that looked like just manufacturing issues. Um, and like some of the cards weren't cut to the same size as some of the others. So there was like some size differences, um, and obviously the warping and stuff like that. So they've put the physical copies on hold, probably while they sort out those card manufacturing issues. 
Um, but the digital version will still be released as planned. So if you've bought both, you'll still get your early access to the digital version. Um, if you've got the digital version and the physical, you'll still get, you know, access on the date as planned. If you buy just the physical, uh, the digital version, you'll still get it on the day as planned. But if you've just bought the physical, you're going to be waiting a little bit while they still have those manufacturing issues. I mean, it's it's good that they kind of, I mean, if that is the reason, obviously, it's good they caught that early on mm-hmm. before they started sending yeah, like I mean, that, that's the thing out. as well. Like with, with that sort of thing, like at at scale, is when you find those kind of issues. Because obviously, on those on the prototypes that they're going to send to Wizards, whoever's doing the the actual print work, they're going to like quadruple million times to check it to because they want to get the contract right. Um, but then when it goes to the the mass production, which they've done for the you know the the preview versions, that's when issues can arise. And if a few of them or even maybe all of them have arrived with similar issues, um, that's obviously going to get fed back to Wizards and Wizards are going to go, hey guys, the fuck? Um, so I'm glad that, yeah, like you say, they they put a hold on it to, to fix the issues rather than sending out defective stuff. So that, that's pretty good. No, I mean, that these things happen. Yeah, they do. It's, Unfortunately, you know, and... Again, I, I mean, I haven't seen any fallout from this, to be honest. So, um, I can't really fault it, to be honest. It's not, you know, it's it's, it's out of their hands as well because it's not them doing the manufacturing. Mm. Um, you know, so I think it's one of those things as well where people realise, like you say, these things happen. Um, they've not tried to push out a faulty product and go, oh no, that's just part of the appeal. Like they've gone, no, there's genuinely an issue here, guys. We're trying to, which is what they did with their entire fucking system <laughs> um you know that they've they've addressed the issue they've said yes there is an issue we're going to fix it and we're going to hold off production until the issue is resolved um which let's be honest that's that's the right way to handle it now nah, fair play can't really fault them mm-hmm. as much as as, I want as much to, as you want to yeah fun giving wizards of the coast shit <laughs> but, yeah. right. so like on the other side of the the coin Mm-hmm. Um. So obviously, as we kind of enter November and we approach the fifteenth of November, the Pathfinder remaster mm-hmm. is due, and I, for one, am very excited for it. I can't imagine why. Just some of the changes. Oh, I can't wait for them. <laughs> but the, the, during this whole process, um, and I, as a Pathfinder Venture Agent, you know, have kind of have to have had to fend off a lot of questions in mm-hmm. regards to so what's going on with Pathfinder Society. So for those of you who don't know, Pathfinder Society is a global campaign where there are very specific rules in in character creation. Everything is kept on a level. So essentially you can take your same character and play it at any table as long as it's within the, the correct sort of level. Um, Ivy has something similar. Um, level sort of breach. Can't remember the name of it now, but there, there is something similar in 5e as well. Yeah, nobody cares. But anyway. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> so obviously with the, with the Pathfinder remaster coming out, the, a lot of the rules are going to change quite drastically. Yeah. Um, in some cases. So there has been a, a lot of this 
So what's going to happen with Pathfinder Society? So they actually did release not exact guidelines, but the intent mm. of what is is going to happen. So essentially, from from the moment of release, players and GMs must use the remastered rules of the game immediately where possible. Mm-hmm. However, um, well, we'll start with the sort of restrictions first. So beginning yep. on November the 15th, 2023, no new characters may be created using the class chassis printed in the core rulebook if the class has been reprinted in the player core. Makes sense. Right, so you have to use the updated. Now, yep. if a character option has been reprinted with the same name, use the new version as if it were a rata. Mm-hmm. No additional retraining is necessary. If a character option has not been reprinted, characters are free to use the option as previously printed or to select it at any time. Oh, that's cool. All right. So alignment obviously is going because it's getting replaced with edicts and anathema. It I is, really like this bit. I was it, just reading it. <laughs> it is entirely optional, but it does give your character a lot of nuance mm-hmm. where rather than going, oh, I'm lawful good. It's like, okay, but why are you lawful good? Yeah. What do you represent? What do you stand for? What do you stand against? Mm. So that's essentially it. Um, again, holy and holy and unholy, sorry. They're going to, I won't say replace, because alignment damage is, is going, mm-hmm. but they are giving you holy and unholy as options to be able to use. Yeah, I like that. Wizards, obviously, we've discussed this, the... Um, Spell schools are disappearing for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but wizards built using the core rulebook chassis may learn the new spells in remastered books. Yeah. Um, however, on November the 15th, 2023, and this is kind of like the big one, all characters with at least one game reported are granted to one free rebuild. Ah. And it is a full rebuild. You can change yeah. your character entirely. Class, ancestry, background, any options. Um, you can't alter the adventure adventures um yeah, of course, participated yeah. in, but everything or the about reputation. The yeah, the reputation earned. Mm. Um and then there's a lot of notes about how much gold the the character starts with, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. Um so the last thing was um, this rebuild must be used before December the 31st, uh, 2024. Oh, so they've got a whole year to so do the rebuild. So they've that's got a whole cool. year. So you've got a character that's 8th, ninth level, and you just want to rebuild it using the remastered rules. Go for it, man. I like as well that they're not saying you like have to rebuild with the same class or anything. The fact that you can change everything. Because obviously if the, the changes in the, in the new version make it a class that you don't want to play they're not saying well tough like i quite like that i think that's pretty good yeah uh they, they're basically just going look we we are we have been kind of i won't say forced but we you know we had to do this mm-hmm. in a sense and if you do have a character that you're attached to then you can rebuild them if not just carry on playing them the way you have been doing just with these rule amendments yeah and I, I think that's that's actually a very fair way to do it because, I mean, like you say, it, it's something that their hand was kind of forced in. Um, so rather than saying, you know, well, tough, they're basically saying, look, if if the new changes are not something that 
you feel fit what you want or what, how you want to play the game, then we're not going to force you to either start again. Because obviously some of these characters, people would have invested years into. Well, it's um, every three adventures gives you a level up. So yeah. to get to something like level eight, it's, it's 24 adventures. And yeah, if you're I mean, only that's, playing that's not a, a lot of time. If you're only playing at our lodge, for example, where we do like one meet a month, then yeah, it's yeah. two years worth of work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, so th- these are going to be characters that these people have invested a lot of time, a lot of thought, a lot of energy. Um, they're going to be a piece of them, right? I mean, it's a bit like when, you know, when when you had to say goodbye to your first character who you invested a lot of time, effort and energy into. It's it's a big thing, right? And especially if that, that saying goodbye gets forced by something that you don't have a say in. Yeah. Um, kind of sucks. And the fact that they're basically saying you don't have to say goodbye to that character, you can rebuild them however you want to fit the new rule set um, and just continue with them as, as they are now is, is I think, really, really good. I think that's a great, great way to handle it. Yeah, yeah, I think it is as well. Um, things will be solidified uh, mm. closer to the date, but that was kind of basically the primer of what yeah. the the intent was. So... You know, I'm I'm probably gonna take them up on it. I'll probably get my characters rebuilt. Yeah, might as well. Um, yeah, might as well. And I'm I'm actually considering doing that for my homebrew campaigns as well, and just kind of go okay. level right. and rebuild. Yeah, I mean, in one of them, the level eighteen at this point, but it's like, you know mm-hmm. what? If you want to rebuild? Go for it. Mm. So yeah, looking forward to it. So I, th- I think that's actually a, a pretty good point to jump into the topic that we had for today. Yes, yes, I do agree with you there. Because, you know, that feels like, you know, rebuilds and stuff like that, it it could be a pretty cool mechanic or whatever. But, I mean, we wanted to talk a little bit about, like, the unique system mechanics that we've experienced or or that we we might like to see or things like that, right? Um, And you've got a couple here, which is, you know, there's the D&D advantage and disadvantage system, um, which is obviously different to how Pathfinder handles, you know, being in an advantageous and disadvantageous Disadvantages? Is that a word? Position? Yeah, I do believe so. Yeah, yeah, I do believe so. <laughs> it is now. It um, is. You know, because obviously in Pathfinder, um, or I don't know about two E, but I know in uh, first edition Pathfinder, you just got like a plus two or a whatever or yeah, a negative so it, two it to your on, roll. It works on numerical bonuses as opposed yeah. to, to whereas like a advantage physics. and disadvantage yeah. is roll two take the highest or roll two take the lowest. Um, which can also, you know, result in some really cool moments when you're rolling a disadvantage and roll two nat twenties. It's fucking amazing. Um, never happens to me, obviously, but it's happened to people at the table. (laughs) But what got me thinking about this and what kind of like triggered this, oh, this would be quite, quite a cool thing to talk about was when Mm. we were discussing, uh, Breathless last week. Yes. Yeah. Where they had that mechanic where it's okay. So your proficiency in a skill is represented by the size of the die. Yes. You roll it. Every time you roll it, that size decreases. And yeah, then, I mean, you, the, then you catch a breath yeah, and you, you to get reset that back. everything, but then the GM introduces a, a complication. And I yes. thought that's a really fucking cool mechanic. And it yeah, got see, me the, th- the complication was, was pretty cool to me. Yeah, it, it just got me thinking about these many, many systems that, that – Mm-hmm. we kind of deal with some of which i've i've never played some of mm-hmm. which i have but ones that that there is a mechanic which you immediately associate with said system 
So, yeah. for example, when I think of advantage and disadvantage, I don't think of any other system other than 5e. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ad- advanced 5e, of course, because it is a bona fide, <laughs> unique system. Yep, 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 yep. Of course. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely, and I mean, I, I just, just to, to talk about, you know, the, the breathless system and stuff like that, cause obviously we, we've, we've mentioned previously about us creating our own system, which was, you know, semi joking, semi not. And then we actually started working on it and we started fleshing something out and it, it's, it's looking pretty cool for those of you that are wondering, we are still working on it. Um, slowly, it's not, admittedly, it's, 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 it's not ready to, to tell you a lot about yeah, yet. And when we have slowly. something concrete, when, then we will. But it, it got us talking a bit about that. But, you know, the whole breathless system about the um, essentially expending your your dice slots whenever you do stuff um, or your, your dice scaling down, etc. It was quite similar to the system that we had in mind for for our system of, you know, the, the stamina kind of um, or like system that we were talking about right yeah and then it replenishes on a long rest or or, or that sort of thing obviously the the main difference between what we were talking about and breathless is that complication thing which i think is really cool um but yeah i mean like for, for me as well one of the other ones that i've i've experienced recently in yourself as well is that shared initiative in fabula yeah i, I love that i like that because it does replicate the jrpg feel yeah, and I think as well, like it's the way they've done it is just so cool because it gives you the flexibility as a team to come up with a best strategy rather than just, well, you know, my character's really dexterous, so I'm going first every time. It's a case of, well, my character's really dexterous, so we're going first every time is really cool. Yeah. Um, so for, for those of you out there that haven't played Fabio, the way the initiative system basically works is as a group the the pc's role and as a group the enemy's role um and then whoever gets the highest role on initiative that group goes first and what you do is you go it alternates after that point so if the pcs go first for example one of the player characters takes their action they get to decide as well then after that action is finished one of the enemies takes an action pc enemy pc enemy until you get to the bottom of the order then you jump back to the top um, and what's really cool with that is you don't have the set same set order every round as well. So if, for example, I'm defending John's character, right, that defense goes until my next turn. So rather than wasting another turn on that defense, if I just go last, I essentially defend him for two full turns without having to waste an extra action on that defense. Yeah, it definitely it was a really interesting way of doing things. Mm. Um, can you think of any others? Because I've got a few. <laughs> well, I haven't played a lot of systems, so th- that, that's pretty much my knowledge expended. I have got some things that I would like to see, which you might have already played things that have these things in them. So I think if you go through your list and any that are missing, I, I can then add in and say, it would be really cool to see this on a system. Okay, so I mean, the first one I can think of is the um, Delta Green, um, the, the kill. Uh, ah, yes, option, I was on the receiving end of that. Where certain <laughs> weapons do have a kill rating. Yes. So essentially, when you hit with this weapon, you roll your, your D100. If it is lower than the kill rating, it's instant death. Yes. 
if which is high, what happened to me when I get shot with that machine if gun. If it's higher, then you just add the two dice together and that's the damage. That's, that's the damage, done. yeah. So that I enjoyed as well while we're on Delta Green, the sanity. Yep. It's fucking yep. great. Um, Cypher. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people, Cypher is, the Cypher system is based on the use of Cyphers, but I don't really, I, I don't really count that. Yeah. However, the Cypher system, the way they use XP is, is great. XP is a currency. Oh, interesting. So you basically... So you, have to, you, you buy a level up in, in air quotes. Yeah, so you gain enough XP to buy a level up or to buy sort of advances and every yeah. four advances you, you go up in tier. But you can also spend your XP to re-roll. Oh, you can, I like that. That, can, that. That's big for me. You can also... <laughs> the GM has, uh, has an ability called GM Intrusions, mm-hmm. right? Where... Randomly, I as a GM can kind of go, right, I'm going to do a GM intrusion, okay? this You're walking through a forest, and while you're doing that, my GM intrusion is you're going to trip and fall down a hole and take a bit of damage, right? Mm-hmm. If you as a player kind of go, all right, fair enough, I'll take it. I mm-hmm. give you one XP to you, mm-hmm. and I give you one XP to give to another of your party. However, if you say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not interested, that's going to cost you XP. Oh, interesting. So it's a bit like, um, like random events in, in video games yeah, where so, if you take part in the random event, you get a reward. If you don't, there's sometimes a negative. Yeah, so you I can, like that. You can intru- as a GM, you can introduce random events. The players can choose not to take them. Yeah, um, I like that. The players can also do player intrusions as well. That, so that they knocks something s- off my list. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> they, they spend XP to, to basically change something about the setting. Mm. Oh, yeah, no, I do remember you. Maybe that's why that was, that was sort of in the back of my head or something that would be cool. I think you mentioned the, the player intrusions to me when I was building uh, my, my lovely detective. Oh, that's for Blades in the Dark. Yeah. That's another one. The uh, flashback mechanic in Blades in the Dark. Hmm. Where you don't plan the heist, you start the heist, and at any point you can kind of go. Oh yeah, this is how we a, planned it. I want to do a flashback <laughs> to to have something in place for this this specific thing. And I think that's, I do quite I do quite like that because it, it it kind of adds to that whole film vibe of the how many times in in a film like like Ocean's Eleven that's probably the the prime example most people will think of. You know, during that whole film, you're watching them planet but at the same time you're watching the execution happen yeah and i really love that as just like a cinematic thing that's really cool and the fact that somebody's been able to to capture that in a ttrpg is really really cool to me we actually played a session of that on wednesday oh did you it was phenomenal but it's such a good system i I, I need i need to play my detective (laughs) yeah we're gonna do we're gonna do some more over the next couple of weeks i think yeah i mean um, I'm trying to think of more. Like this is off the top of my head, so. Um, so I did like Bind's skill resolution. Yes, yeah. Where using a different attribute for a skill would give you a different effect. Mm-hmm. So, like for example, climbing, you could use dexterity to to be more acrobatic with it, but you could also use intelligence, so you know 
you plan the route you, out you, and stuff like that. You can kind of plan the route out. I thought yeah. that was fucking phenomenal. No, that was, that was really clever, actually. And I think it's also, it's one of those things that I think inadvertently we've, we've done, or at least I've, I've done an experience that at the table playing 5e and stuff is when somebody says like, um, oh, I want to, uh, could, could I use this skill instead? If they can give me a legitimate reason for why they would use that skill instead for whatever they're trying to do, I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Go for it. Um, cause I mean like the, the, the main one for me is, um, like intimidation is a stat that I've always kind of disagreed with in 5e because they, they base it on charisma. Now don't get me wrong. You can be charismatic and threatening, but at the same time you can also just be physically intimidating. So I've always allowed players to either roll, you know, to roll whatever stat they really want. If they can tell me how they're using that stat to intimidate someone. Um, cause I mean, an, an example would be like being really, really dexterous with your sword can also be very intimidating to someone. Um, so it, yeah, I've always kind of been a bit flexible with, with stats in, in that regard because of that. And to see that then captured in an actual system, like as a rule, not just like a homebrew thing that I've gone, yeah, fuck it. Why not? Um, I think it's really cool. Well, I kind of disagree with the intimidation thing and I did a whole blog post about it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, yeah, if you guys want to get my thoughts on that, check out our blog. <laughs> I haven't updated that. I need, to, I need to do a new blog. But. Um, I mean, some of the things that I would like to see, and this is something I've also messaged you about, um, yeah. about talking about for, for, for our system, is the way that armor is handled in pretty much every TTRPG I've ever seen is they tend to look at your entire armor as one item and maybe a shield. And that's always... I've never really thought about it until recently because I, I do watch a lot of, um, you know, videos and stuff about, you know, medieval armor and medieval weaponry and this type of weaponry and that type of weaponry and all that. I, I, I'm really into that sort of stuff. And it wasn't until I was watching some of this stuff that something that I've always kind of known, but never really thought about when playing TTRPGs is we always treat armor as you have armor and maybe shield. That's it. That calculates your defense or your AC or whatever it is in that particular system. It all comes from you choose a chest plate and maybe a shield. Um, and I'm not going to be wrong. It works for simplicity's sake, but it's also just not how armor works. <laughs> right. Um, so I've, I've always thought it'd be really cool if you get a system that maybe encapsulates that and has maybe a different, like a way of having different armor pieces add up to your AC. So having like a helmet and chest plate, so you could fight with no helmet, but it's going to affect your AC. Um, especially for like those fights that happen in the middle of the night when you've taken all your armor off to go to bed. Um, and then you get attacked in the middle of the night. You don't have time to don your armor, but you would have time to maybe whack on a helmet and some gloves. Mm. Right. Um, so you don't have your full AC, but you've got some of it because you are somewhat protected. And just stuff like that, I think, would be would be pretty cool. Because then it also adds that element to the players of like, are you gonna bother putting on a helmet or not? I mean there are a lot of systems in which armor, for example, doesn't equate to the the reduction in the chance to hit. Mm-hmm. Alright, a lot of the systems and I think probably more often than not you will find that armor acts as damage reduction. Yeah, but even then, they still kind of look at it as 
armor as a whole it's, it's one you pick one item for your armor and that decides your entire damage reduction as well it doesn't look at whether you've got a helmet on or um because i mean obviously like we, we can't simulate where they're hitting you and that's part of the reason that they do that i get that but at the same time if you're going up against an enemy who hasn't got a helmet on or someone who hasn't got a chest plate on you're going to aim for the bit that's exposed right so i think it goes without saying that that that's where they're going to target. Um, so having something that does capture that, even in a damage reduction standpoint, that would still make sense and still work because, okay, so you've got a helmet on, so you are reducing some damage, but not as much as if you'd put your full suit of armor on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I do agree with you. I do. I do agree, but that you've also got to find the balance of... Of course, yeah. I won't say simplicity, but but efficiency, really. You've got mm. to kind of find that balance of... Okay, so how, how does this... How does this work in the most efficient sort of way possible? Well, that's what we need to sit down and work out, isn't it? <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um i mean I, I i think definitely at least separating out you know like your your upper body and your helmet um and maybe like a lower body so you have those three sections could be a good way of doing it so it's still relatively simple because you've got you know upper body helmet uh legs um because also as well like if you put a shitload of armor on your legs it's going to affect your dexterity um, because you're not going to be able to move as quickly. Well, I mean, I'm just having a look in uh, in the Delta Green Agent's handbook now, mm-hmm. and because I was I was certain that that rang a bell when you messaged me about it. Um, so yeah, so essentially, you can in Delta Green have different sort of armor. So, for example, if you wear a Kevlar vest, it is an armor rating of three. Yep. So that means when you take damage, you're deducting three from that damage. Yes. Um, however, if you add a helmet, you add a plus one to that. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. So you could then build out a, a armor set, right? Which would then have either damage reduction or damage mitigate or yeah, hit mitigation, whichever way around you want to do it in that particular system. Um, that is your chest plate plus your headpiece plus your legs gives you total damage reduction. Because hmm. that way as well, you, but then obviously if you've got all three bits on, it's going to reduce your movement capabilities. So that affects you negatively elsewhere. So yes, you tank more damage, but you also can't move as well. And that's kind of the offsets that you have to balance. Because um, otherwise everyone's just going to, if you don't have any negative offset, everyone's just going to tank up to the max and be like, cool. You have to do like 42 damage to actually do one point of damage to me, um, which I have seen happen in systems where people get so tanky because um, there's the, uh, the, the fantasy age system, which I've mentioned previously, that also does damage reduction based on your, your defense, right? Yeah. Um, and it, it's possible in that um, somebody in a, in a game that uh, I wasn't playing it, but somebody that I, well, my ex was in the game and some of the stories that I, I got from that game were one of the players in that when he was um, like fighting, he essentially had like a barbarian's rage type thing, um, which essentially increased his damage reduction to the point where you had to do like 60 points of damage to do one point of damage to him. Yeah. 
Um, so you have to balance that because otherwise, you know, people do get stupid broken. So you'd have to offset there with, okay, yeah, like you can tank a lot, but you can't move for shit. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, you know, I mean, obviously that, that's kind of your balancing out, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I am looking at, because that, that, this has kind of reminded me of a, a mechanic, mm-hmm. which I found really interesting. And that was in um, Hope Finder. Okay. Um, Help Finder is a, it's basically a a hack of Pathfinder 2E done by right. the creator of Pathfinder, Jason Bullman. <laughs> he, he basically, he went, I just wanted to see what I could do with the system. And oh, basically, I, I do remember you telling me about that, yeah. He created a zombie apocalypse hack. Yes. Um, now, I'm just trying to find the armor um, section. So... That does kind of work a bit like that, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, where you do have um, like different armor values. What it doesn't do, it doesn't seem to separate it. You can't just have a helmet without having the thing. But what it, the mechanic that I did like about that is that armor is used as damage reduction, like in many other games. But after a combat, you have to roll a flat check to see if your armor has taken damage. I do like that. So because that, that is something that you, you should consider. So it, and like, if you, I think it is on a crit or something like that, mm. you, you can't, your armor takes damage. See the, the, the one tweak I would make to that is I wouldn't do, I mean, I would do it on a crit obviously, but I think I would do it on at the end of a combat encounter, depending on how much damage you took. Yeah, determine the, the it is it is like that it is something along oh, okay. those lines i can't quite remember the ruling uh but yeah that it is something along those lines that you, if you took um a certain yeah so like for every 10 points of damage yeah, you take it decreases thing, yeah. the the chance that you you didn't get damaged by one or something I like that i think the way it works is how many rounds the combat lasted yeah, see, my issue with that then is if you didn't take a lot of hits and the combat just took a while, then you could end up with damaged armor even though you didn't get hit. Well, no, because if you didn't get hit, you're not going to roll. But if you right, if you okay, did so, hit, if you did hit, then oh, okay, yeah, your your weapon. Yeah, I mean, and it's also if you didn't when you get hit, you take damage. But it's like, for example, when I rule it in in Pathfinder, which has the abstract. Of course, yeah. You could have not got hit because you had a glancing blow off your armor or exactly. something like that. Exactly. So, yeah, you know, the, yeah, 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 yeah. it didn't necessarily go through, but it may have still hit your armor. It may have, yeah, it may have dented the armor or, or yeah, something exactly. like that. Yeah, exactly. And it, I think you, your armor gets dinged first. And yeah. after dinged, it becomes damaged. And after damaged, it becomes broken. Yeah. And yeah, it is a really cool, cool thing. And it's very fitting for like a a survival game. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think that that's something as well that is, is quite cool to see because it is a real concern when it comes to armor and, and even your, your swords. I, I, it's something I think we should do for weapons as well. If I I'm totally honest. I do believe it is there for weapons as well. I think, oh, is it? I think it's that's there good. for items full stop. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, cause that, that makes sense. Cause again, it's something that I think I understand why it's left out of a lot of games because, like you say, it is more fitting to a survival game where resources are key. Yeah. Um, but it does. It, it for me, the thing I've always found with like, um, you know, five five e for me because it's the game that I play the most is 
you start with a a weapon at first level and you pretty much only ever change your weapon when you get an upgrade. Yeah. Um, and once you get to like the best upgrades you're going to get, you kind of stick with that weapon probably from like level five or six, whenever you get it to like 20th level, because there's not many upgrades left after that point. Right. Yeah. So I think for me, it's something where, where a lot of systems don't have a mechanic for weapon durability, essentially, you just have these, unbreakable weapons which means that at that point why would you ever go to a weapon store unless you're selling shit you've picked up from from the goblins you killed or whatever right yeah i mean i suppose it all kind of boils down to the type of game you want to run Mm. like in a game if like in my pathfinder game i can't be fucked you know there are things that i do not track um one of those things is to a certain degree, like coin encumbrance. It's like, who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? Yeah. Y- you are playing a, a fantasy, so I'm happy to kind of lean on the abstract. However, in regards to a game like Delta Green, where it does have a survival element, then I will start tracking things, and I will be very sort of strict on, hmm, how long has it been since your character ate something? Hmm. Oh, well, you know, you, you might you might start feeling a bit woozy because, you know, you've you haven't eaten something in three days. Now you're gonna start taking penalties. And yeah, so I suppose it all kind of re- uh, revolves around the type of game that you're running. For something like um high fantasy, I'm not gonna start micromanaging. Mm-hmm. But for mm. other types of systems, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, like, like I've said it a few times where obviously for my pirate campaign, because they're spending a lot of time at sea, I am going to be tracking that sort of stuff. Uh, not not religiously, that's probably the wrong word, but I am going to be keeping an eye on it because if they, for example, when they, uh, you know, dock at wherever and they resupply the ship, the ship can only hold X amount of supplies, right? And still have space for them to, you know, be uh, <laughs> yeah. exist on the ship so and for the ship to float because obviously weight balancing and you know sinking and whatnot um so realistically if the ship can only hold like 30 days of rations for example um and they're out there sailing for more than 30 days then that's going to start to have negative effects no yeah um, yeah that, that i agree with but i mean because that is kind of the the prism through which you are Exactly, looking yeah. at your campaign. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was quite interesting. I, I do like looking at different systems and, and the sort of cool mechanics that, that kind of come out of them, especially the, the mechanics that you kind of attribute to that particular system. You know, like Warhammer Fantasy roleplay and, and its brethren have all got like the chaos mechanic. Yeah. You know, so I find this, I find that sort of shit really interesting. Yeah, I, I think some kind of wear mechanic is is a is a pretty cool thing because um, it it also just adds a bit of a. Just going back to it because I was just just having another thought on it. Um, which I was spaced out for a second there. Um, it kind of adds like a a gold sink, is what we call it in in video games, right? Where it's giving them something that they are going to have to spend money on so they can't just accumulate stupid amounts of wealth as well. Yeah. Um, which I also think is quite important. And it, it if they have got like a, a weapon that 
backstory-wise is meaningful to them, they might be a bit more sparing to use it because they don't want to risk it shattering or um, having like, you know, the, the typical anime moment of they charge in for an attack and then their sword falls apart or whatever. Like it, it creates those kind of cool moments as well, which I think is quite cool. Yeah, I'm trying to find find like the the dings and uh, thing in this rule. I'll when I find it, I'll send it to you. Yeah, no worries. While you're looking for that, yes. shall we t- shall we take a wander? I think we should take a wander. I think we should take a wander over to the couch. Yeah, there you go. Bit of a uh, tag teaming there. Yeah, it was good. We we love tag teaming on the couch. We Wait, do. But- we love tag teaming on the couch. <laughs> Um, but I, um, I did receive a couple of questions today. Yeah, just episode title. Just saying. <laughs> Tag team on the couch. Um, <laughs> I, I have received a couple of questions. I, too, have received a couple of questions. When you say a couple, how many do, do you mean? I mean Actually a, gen- a couple? I mean a, genuine, I mean a genuine couple. I, I have four. <laughs> four? Yeah, four. Right. I mean... Three of them are very related, so I'm probably going to ask them as one question. Fair enough. All right. Um, and so I, I guess kind of two, but they are they have come through to me as four separate questions. Okay, go for it. Are yours? Is yours from the same person? They are all from the same person. Mine yes. are from the same person as well. <laughs> so I'll I'll do the first three questions as one question because, like I said, they are all very related to each other. Um, so I'll do the uh, the froms all in one thing, and then I'll I'll get the uh, the questions in there. So okay. the, the questions are from Sci-Fi, mm-hmm. who is on holiday in Spain, sitting by the pool, drinking Pims, and he's now turning over to do his back. I'm guessing he means tanning, just to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> don't pour, know. Just, just pouring Pims on his back. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, however Sci-Fi so, wants to enjoy himself. These questions are all kind of related to something you mentioned earlier, that you were a naughty boy and, and purchased. <laughs> So he asks, what is the best Kickstarter or Humble Bundle you have backed? What is the worst Kickstarter or Humble Bundle you have backed? Oh, fuck. And what is a Kickstarter or Humble Bundle you missed and wished you had done? I that one's probably the easiest for me um, because I was actually bemoaning it the other day. (laughs) There was a Shadowrun Humble Bundle. Um, I can't remember if it was 5th edition or 6th edition. Mm-hmm. Um, we were chatting to our friend from Threads, uh, Constant Cornell, mm-hmm. and he does play some Shadow Run, and that kind of got me thinking. It's like, fuck, there was a humble bundle about that, like <laughs> a few months back, that I passed on, and he was like, oh yeah, you know, I enjoy Fifth Edition, but Sixth Edition is garbage. So it was like, oh, I can't remember which it was, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that I I wish I'd have got that. Um, so in terms of the best, that's a fucking tough one. I mean, surely for you, it's got to be, uh, uh, what was that one that you've backed recently? Um, Tales of the Valiant? I think Tales of the Valiant is definitely up there. I mean, it's got to be up there. Yeah. I mean, realistically speaking, I, I'm not entirely sure I'm going to play it. <laughs> um, it's, it's two five E for me. Fair enough. No, I've read through it. It's like, this send is, it my way. This is very 5e. <laughs> but, you know, I, I wanted to back it for, for what it stood for. And because I've backed it, I am now in it. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I think you're not wrong. That is probably one of the best. Yeah. Um, there were some fantastic. Oh no, I've fucking got one. I've got. Yeah, tell the volume was good. There was one not long ago for Pathfinder Second Edition. Mm-hmm. Right. I've been running Abomination Vaults on Foundry for yes. the past year or so. Yes. Um, they brought out a humble bundle which contained the actual official Foundry module. Ooh. Bear in mind at this point I was nearing the end of book two out of three. Mm-hmm. So I went, fuck it. You know what? I'm gonna get it. It was a 30 quid. That's not bad. Came with came with a bunch of PDFs, came with all this, came with this foundry module module, which is valued about 50 quid anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I got it. Holy shit, it's amazing. (laughs) I honestly have deleted Abomination Vaults from my obsidian. Oh wow. Because the journaling that they've done on Foundry is professionally done. Everything's oh, okay, yeah, linked, everything yeah, yeah. is is really beautiful. They've added yeah. a whole bunch of like music and ambient sounds. They've got all mm-hmm. the tokens, high res tokens. Um, oh, lovely. The maps are really detailed in the sense that you can actually walk under things on, oh, the, wow. on the maps. That's so cool. like on like on the map of Atari, which is the 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 town that you frequent during the abomination vault if you move your token around that map you actually move under trees that's pretty cool it I is like that. fucking yeah phenomenal. that's really cool i mean because uh, i bought it i've got one book to go through and to be honest had i have known that i'd have probably paid full whack for it it is yeah. so good yeah yeah so that entails the valiant in terms of the worst oh fuck I mean, what was that one that we spoke about the other week where like the Kickstarter page made absolutely no sense because it was contradicting itself? Oh shit. What was that? Um I, I know I know he also I went in on the Advanced 5e one when they had one as well. Um I can't remember if that was a Kickstarter page or just a, a news story about it. I, I don't can't know. remember now. I can't remember the contradiction. But there was, I can there was, there I was, can't oh. yes. Was it the one that was like not GTA but GTA? Yes, that was it. <laughs> That's the worst one. Like we are a unique game and it's got the yeah. actual Grand Theft Auto fucking. It was literally just GTA. The same, <laughs> the same they use the same artwork, the same fucking text, everything. Like we are a unique game. <laughs> yes. You're not though, but you're fucking not. <laughs> that that was the the worst uh Kickstarter that I've seen. Um Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with you there. There, there are a few that I've missed that I wish I'd done, but you did them, so I don't feel bad. <laughs> um, and I think that's where I, I'm, I'm uniquely able to say that I don't really regret not doing any of them, because any of the ones that I would have done, you've done. Yeah, because I'm the dumb fuck who spends his money. <laughs> well, I, I spend money on, like, crafting supplies, don't I? Because so. mm. I've got new techniques that I want to try, and I need to 3D print some stuff, and then I'll, send, I'll post some pictures once I've done it. Looking but. forward to it. I need to, yeah, I need to, I need to go buy some more foam. So yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think that that Pathfinder Humble Bundle, mm-hmm. as well as Tales of the Valiant Kickstarter, yeah, were definitely, oh, I, I can see that. Yeah, I'm really happy with those purchases. All right, so hopefully that answers your questions there, Sci-Fi. Was that all the questions, or was that just the one? No, that that was that was the three that I condensed into one. All right, okay. Do you want me to ask so, yeah. mine then? 
Yeah, go for it. Let's do one of yours, and then I'll do my last one. All right, so this is from Couch, who is still searching for those damn meatballs. God damn it. How happy are you to let players respec when they need? Don't think it matters on the system, but if someone is struggling, how far would you let a PC respec to actually function in your game? Obviously, some PCs like to kill and bring a new character in. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? Um, I think it depends on the group. So if it's relatively new players, I'm happy to to rejig characters and stuff like that because they're still trying to figure stuff out, right? Um, more advanced players, I'm less likely to do it because they should know better. Um, you know, like they should know what works and what doesn't work, right? Um, I'm still, if if it is genuinely a case of they they got something wrong. Um, so like they, they read a spell one way, but it's not actually how it functions or something like that. I I'm inclined to let them maybe swap that out for something that is useful for what they had in mind. Um, I think it depends on the situation. If it's just a case of they built a character and went, Oh no, I'm not actually enjoying that character. Then I would probably say you better off just bringing in a new character. Well, I mean, I don't really have that issue because in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, there is a mechanic to account for that. Oh, of course so, there is. <laughs> so you can, you can actually retrain. Mm. So basically, your character spends seven days per... Seven days per skill point? Or seven okay. days per feat? Something along those lines. So you can, in-game, in kind of go, right, I want to spend some of my downtime retraining. I took yeah. this feat, I don't like it. Can I retrain it? And yeah, nine times out of ten, you're going to say yeah. So, mm. you know, that l- doesn't lock people in as much. Um, yeah. If it's first level, I've got a bit of leeway. Yeah. But once second level hits, it's like, nah, now you've made your mind up. Yeah. Because you know? I, I think like with, with newer players, I'm a lot more lenient because like I say, that they're, they're learning, right? Um, I mean, we, we, we've had it. Um, in one of the games I played in, because it was it was somebody who'd never played any TTRPG before, um, and they were building um, a sorcerer, and sorcerers uh, in Five E anyway have a very limited spell list um, for how many spells they know and and stuff like that because they don't learn their spells right. So it's not like a wizard where you have like fifty thousand spells in your spellbook and you pick a couple. Um, you kind of, once you choose a spell, you're locked to that spell for the rest of your character. You can change them out like one spell per level or something, um, but it's not very flexible. And the spells that they had chosen, because they didn't know, you know, what is functional, what isn't, and stuff like that, they chose some, all of their spells were very situational spells, which realistically, they're never going to get to use, which kind of made their character... um. Aside, like, unless that specific situation crocked up, they were pretty useless. Because um, obviously, spe- like sorcerers don't have a lot of hit points, so wouldn't be able to just pull out a sword and start swinging um, and all that sort of thing. So in that sort of situation, I find it's always good to maybe sit down with them and say, hey, listen, let's go through your spells and maybe help you pick some that fit what you had in mind for the character, but are a little bit more useful or more of more often than than what you've got i mean i'm i'm more inclined for a character for someone to retire their character 
Not, um, nece- not necessarily kill them. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, to be yeah. able to Ret- retiring go, is not a, not a problem. You know, um, I'm not not entirely happy with this thing. And then it was, then we're going to sit down and just kind of go, all right, give me an exit. You know, yeah. what do they want to do? Why are they leaving? You know, and you I mean, kind I've done of, that to a few characters. Yeah, so you kind of um, help them be part of the narrative. Yeah. And then obviously you kind of right, okay, so this new character, who is that? You know, why mm-hmm. are they coming? What are their motivations? And, you know, it, you don't ever kind of um, pull the curtain back. Yeah. It's all within the fiction. So I'm kind of more inclined to do that than just go, you know what, just change your character. Yeah, I, I think it it does depend on the situation, though. Because um, there are times, I, I'd say more often than not, what you just said there is what I would go with. Um, I think the only time I would let sort of the the reworks happen is with the the newer players, um, because like I said, they are still trying to learn all of the ins and outs of spell interactions. Should and learn in the deep end. <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> well, I fucking did. How about I you? I fucking did. <laughs> I, I well, I say I mean saying that I swapped characters after like two sessions. Yeah, I? you did. I didn't. <laughs> but that was because I, I didn't want to play the Barbarian that I started with from the start. I only did it because we needed a frontline. And then we got somebody else coming to play Barbarian. So I went to what I actually wanted to play, which was Rogue. I went, so how about this Bard class? And Scott went, that's a pretty complicated class for a new starter. And I went, I'll take yeah, it. That'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, you, 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 know, you made probably one of the most iconic bards I've ever had in a, in a party. Um, so He was, uh, tell you what, I still refer to him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of my past, all of my second edition bards, they're all related to him in one way or another. <laughs> well, it's a bit like, uh, you know, my, my family of uh, toes for, for our fabulous campaign. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Oh, which I'm so looking forward to playing this week. All right, so hopefully that answers that question. Yes. So my final question is also from Sci-Fi, who is currently losing a table tennis tournament. And he asks, and this is a really cool question, and I, I, have, a, I have some thoughts. What is your most and least favorite monster? Wow. Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> it is a good question. And it's a question that is subject to change. Absolutely. Many, many, many times. Because Absolutely. Every time, every time I play, I bring in a new monster and kind of go, ooh, that's so fucking cool. Um, least favorite. Ooh. <laughs> All right, uh, you said you've got thoughts, so... I do, right, I do you, have thoughts. You crack on, because this is going to take me a fucking so, while. I, I have one that is both my most and least favourite. Okay. And that is, that is kobolds and goblins. They're, both of them. I know they are different monsters, technically, but they are my most favourite when utilised correctly, and they are my least favourite when not utilised correctly. Okay. And the main reason I say that is because a lot of people, when they use things like kobolds or goblins, they just throw them in as a straight fight. And if you, if you look at the way, like any text about, I mean, I, I'm talking specifically 5e, but most systems tend to have the same sort of flavoring around 
you know, goblins and kobolds and stuff like that is they're very, very opportunistic and they, they will never, they're, they're the kind of thing that would never engage in something head to head, one on one. They're just not. And so many people use them like that. And it really annoys me because they're never going to be a challenge in that situation. The way that they fight and stuff like that is they fight in ways that would be advantageous to them. So they would have traps and they would have um, blockades that while you're trying to clear the blockade, they attack from behind. And it's all of these kind of things that that's what makes them a dangerous opponent is because they'll have you doing one thing to progress through the dungeon that you're going through and then attack you while you're doing that thing. And if you utilize them like that, they're amazing creatures because it can really create some tense moments because you're trying to clear this barricade to get through to safety. But at the same time, while some of you are clearing this barricade, some of you are having to deal with this, like these 10 or so goblins that have just cropped up out of holes in the ground behind you. Um, so yeah, when they're used like that, I love them. When they're not used like that, I think they're just, it's, it's a waste of a, a creature. Okay, so I am gonna tell you my least favorite. <laughs> Go for um, it. Because this is, yeah, my least favorite to to kind of um, as a player and as a GM mm-hmm. are oozes and slimes. Mm. Yeah, I mean, as a player, they're a pain in the ass. Yep. As a GM, they are so fucking boring. Yep. You know, they barely move. They don't have any abilities. They don't have. You can't really play they just them exist. logically. Yeah, and on top exist. of that, at least in Pathfinder, they're immune to fucking crits, despite yeah. a stupidly low AC. So yeah. that just means they're they're just there to soak up hits, essentially. Yeah. And I just find them so fucking boring. Yeah. Now, in terms of favorite, there's so many to choose from. <laughs> there, I mean, so many. Every time I'm, I mean, like in the rec- in the most recent game I'm, uh, I'm playing, like my homebrew. Mm. Um, I found a type of construct, right? Okay, and it is called an intellect um, assemblage. And what it is is essentially um, these are constructs that are made from the memories of sentient beings. Interesting. And they are essentially robots. They've got no sort of emotion, no sort of thing, but they are intelligent creatures. However, there is a subset of these that are called the flawed, which aren't created by by people. They are created (laughs) sporadically when there has been a catastrophe with a lot of death. Mm. So all that pain and all that suffering creates these constructs from these memories, and they are called the flawed. Okay. And these are capable of compassion. They're capable of emotion. And it's just like, what a fucking creative creature. That is pretty cool. I quite like that. Um, So, like, I mean, I could go on, like, Certain creatures, I'll just read them and just kind of go, holy shit, who came yeah. up with this? You know, and whether that's because it's something that's come from some folklore mm. or whether it's something that is unique to the system that they've sat down and kind of gone, right, let's create these things. Uh, some of them are just fantastic. So 
Yeah. In terms of favorite, I think <laughs> I think I'm gonna have to go traditional. Okay. And I'm gonna go dragons. I mean, we 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 did have an entire episode where we talked about the different types of dragon and wyvern and things like that. So that that makes sense. Yeah, and also because I think there's so much sort of um mystery and folklore around them. Yeah. You know, when when you be, when you come up to like your ancient magmas and your mm-hmm. and all these dragons. I think it is it's definitely fascinating. Yeah. You know, and this you know, this whole fucking thing stemmed from that system that I refuse to mention. <laughs> I mean I, I would say as well, another favorite of mine um is mind flayers. Because I think they're a really interesting concept of like the whole hive mind and stuff like that. I, I love that whole concept. Um, so mind flayers are definitely up there for me as well as a favorite. I mean, most of the things that I find in, in my homebrew are because I'm going through the best year and kind of going, oh, fuck, that sounds cool. Yeah. And, <laughs> and a lot of times it's like, oh, that sounds cool. I'm going to find a way to put that in. Yeah. You know, like in, in Pathfinder and Starfinder, there are these creatures that they're not xenomorphs. May as fucking well be. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yay, I get to play with aliens. <laughs> um, but yeah, so ho- hopefully that answers that one for you, Sci-Fi. Um, I'd also be very interested to hear what any of the listeners have as a favourite or, or least favourite monster as well. Um, so maybe we could start a little uh, little post on the Facebook group where people yeah, can definitely. comment with their their favorites because that is a really interesting topic. Yeah, definitely. If like add your your entries to the Facebook group, and you know, next week we'll kind of pick out some that we enjoy and we'll we'll bring them out. And have have a little chat. Yeah. Have a little chat. We'll look them up. We'll learn a bit about them, especially mm. if it's in a system that we don't quite understand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I may have to open my fucking. Five E book. Your but, library. Uh but yeah. Oh please, we both know you're gonna make me read all the five E ones. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I still have the, the PHP. Oh it's it's virtually untouched. <laughs> Pristine right. condition. Pristine condition. So my last question is from mm-hmm. Couch Finder of Meatballs. Hey who is sitting down enjoying the meatballs, prepping for the next adventure. That's ominous, because the next adventure is Thursday. (laughs) Oh, yes, I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait. Okay, so, Couch's last question is, would you ever recreate a historical event in your game, true to what happened? This doesn't have to be something set in the system you're using, but true to life. Example, PCs find themselves in the middle of the Great Fire of London. What event would you love to break down bit by bit? Oh, that's interesting. I, I think I absolutely would, um, you know, bring, bring it like I, I would bring it into that world, though, and have like instead of like the Great Fire of London, it'll be the Great Fire of Waterdeep or, or whatever city they're in. Right. OK. Um, just because I think it, then it ties like a. It, it gives you something historic to to reference, so it does a lot of the work for you. Because <laughs> you know, it saves some prep time, um, but at the same time, it ties it into what they're experiencing in the world. So there could be like 
um, you know, like, like we have in London, there could be buildings that are still charred from way back when and stuff like that, that have been renovated or, or whatever. And they've kept frames that, you know, were charred, but still strong enough to, to stand and stuff like that. Um, it just adds a bit of flavor as well to, to, to the world, I think. Um, as for actually playing through the event, again, creates a really cool, maybe um, dynamic that if you were to introduce, uh, again, using London, because it's, you know, the closest one to us. Um, like if you use like the plague, right? They could arrive in the city and everyone is walking around with like gas masks on and stuff like that. And they got to figure out shit uh, or just start wearing gas masks to survive in that city. They might not be even part of the quest line or anything like that. It's just something that's happening in that city. I mean, I don't think I'd, I'd run it um, true to what happened as, as couch mm-hmm. um, said in the question, but I would definitely kind of use that as a setting. Like, like for yeah. example, you, like you said, the plague. Yeah. So how about like you run Call of I, Cthulhu? I kind of want to build that out now. <laughs> you kind of run Call Call of Cthulhu as in the plague, mm. and the plague is actually some eldritch horror that's spreading mm. this disease. But you, as as agents who are trying to to kind of suppress um, public knowledge, that you. Part of what you do is trying to, you know, come do, up, do the PR spin. Oh, it's it's the rats. Come up with it's a damn rats. Come up with a justification. For <laughs> I like that. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, again, going back to Cthulhu, you've got Kohar's Cthulhu, which is coming out yeah. soon, where you could do the eruption of uh, Vesuvius. I mean, that would also kind of work with Delta Green as well, though. Yeah, it would work with Delta Green. I, the only reason I said Call of Cthulhu is because of the time. Yeah. Because um, obviously Delta Green can only really stretches from the, like, uh, 70s or 80s, something like oh, what, that. Because we can't have uh, global pandemics in, in modern day, is that what you're saying? I mean, you would have to... I have a few years recently that would disagree with you. No, no, no that's, that's not it. It's because you'd have to... Conspiracy theory. You'd have to kind of really alter the fiction, whereas Call of Cthulhu is already set in that time period. Delta Green is set in a more modern world. Yeah, but there's no reason that you couldn't have something in a more modern world with the same sort of vibe, right? I mean, we we literally just had our our own version of the plague. It just wasn't as deadly because medicines advanced. That is a fair point, but at the same time, a lot of like the the Black Plague and a lot of the the reasons why it was so deadly and so widespread was because of the time it was set in. So yes, you mm-hmm. could update it, but again. He, Couch is asking about a historical event. So, I mean, COVID's a historical event now. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, no. Now, honestly, um, I wouldn't want to roleplay an encounter in a supermarket trying to get... <laughs> trying to get fucking toilet roll because everyone was a fucking moron. <laughs> oh my God, could you imagine an entire session set in a Walmart or something? Just an entire session of people going, you can't take my toilet roll. It's like, oh, fuck right off. Oh my God, that'd be so funny though. 
Oh, it'd be fucking <laughs> so, depressing because no matter how ridiculous you made it, it could not be more ridiculous than what, what actually, actually happened. happened. But that's the thing though, right? How much of what happened when COVID happened probably had a version of the same thing happening during the plague that people were like, I can't believe how ridiculous people are being about X because that was like their equivalent back then of what, what we had now, right? I don't know. I feel there was far less knowledge back then. I feel like back then people didn't know any better. But today we're supposed to be, you know, very intelligent beings who. Yep, I'm, I'm going to hit you with a quote. Cetera, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with a quote from Men in Black. A person is intelligent. People are stupid. <laughs> and social media has given everyone a voice, but no one a fucking brain. But yeah, so that's my ranting. <laughs> but I, I would say, I think that, that hopefully answer, we would probably use historical events as inspiration, but we probably wouldn't use it uh, blow for blow, is, a, is I think the, the consensus there. Yeah, I think so. I think doing it blow for blow, I'd... I'd, I'd it would probably be too restricting as well, because it also means that the players would know also blow for blow what's coming. Um. If you use a, a historical event that is well documented, like for example the Great Fire of London or or the plague or anything like that, if you do use a blow for blow, it probably restricts a bit too much, right? Possibly. I mean, I, you could probably do it because there are plenty of like slice of life RPGs out there. I just never mm-hmm. play them, um, yeah. but there are like plenty of them out there, which which would be quite fitting. Where you know combat isn't a thing. Combat isn't mm. a thing you, you're particularly worried about. I mean, probably a powered by the apocalypse sort of game would yeah. would kind of work for that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I personally wouldn't run it. It's not something that would interest me without adding a particular spin on yeah. things. Yeah, I, I think the spin would be needed to make it um, not just a history lesson, right? Yeah, that's. I think that's it. For me, it would feel like a history lesson, mm. uh, which I I was shit at history, <laughs> which has probably coloured my answer, to be honest. <laughs> it's, it's not the fact that I don't want it, it's the fact I ain't got a fucking clue. He does, doesn't want to do history again. <laughs> that, honestly, it's like, Great Fire of London, I know there's a fire in a place called London. That's about it. <laughs> the plague um, apparently was really bad. That's about yeah, all yeah. I know. Well, hopefully that also uh, answers that question. I hope so. But guys, thank you to Sci-Fi and to Couch for some keeping great us, questions. For keeping us busy with some great questions. Um, I think that's about it for us, isn't it, mate? I think so. I think I think we've covered uh, we've covered about everything today. I think we have. I think there was one story that neither of us really wanted to cover, and we're just like, yeah. you know what, fuck it, we're not going to bother. We're just not. We're, we're, we're going to talk about other things, <laughs> but we're not going to talk about that because. Yeah, no. Yeah. Neither of us are fucking interested. Yeah. And I I cannot pretend to be interested. Yeah. So if you want to guess what that could be, post, post so, it in the Facebook I, group. I, 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 I have a hint. It's something I never roll. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Actually, no, that's not true. I roll the negative versions you of roll them the all the time. Version of it, yeah. I do. Yeah, you do. The successful ones I never roll. 
But I want to send, I want to thank you, Justin, for spending some time with me this evening. You're very welcome. Um, would you like to tell people whereabouts they can find you on the interwebs? Yes. So I am uh, online in most places as Justin Accurate TV. Uh, I'm also on the Facebook group, so you can catch me there. And playing video games over on Twitch at Justin Accurate TV as well. All right. As for me, you can find me on Mastodon at Dice.Camp as Natural Juan. But also, I'm the person that is behind our Instagram threads and Blue Sky feeds. So any sarcastic comments, they're, they're coming directly from me. Yep. Um, and anytime I abuse Justin, that, that's all me, people. Yep. Uh, but yeah, don't hesitate to give us a follow. Send, send a, a quick hello. You know, tout your wares because I'm always interested in, in learning about stuff that people are selling. I mean, that's where um, I learned about Breathless last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm really, really interested in, in all that. So don't hesitate to come and say hello. We've also got our Discord, which I've been posting on, on threads. Um, we've got a voice chat, which I jump in when I'm doing prep. You're more than welcome to pop in and say hello. Quick shout out to Constant Cornell, who popped in the other day. Great fucking bloke. 100%. Mm. Absolute top bloke. That, that was such a great laugh meeting him. Um, but more impo- most importantly, I want to thank everyone for, for taking time on that busy day listening to us. If you like what you hear, um, give, us a, give us a, you know, a rating. Give us a review. Let's kind of grow this community. But once again, thanks to everyone for listening to Two Idiots Waffle On about tabletop role-playing games. Good night. See you later, guys.